So, um, hey, um, I kind of get tired of doing the same old thing every time we gather together. So if you guys uh, will allow me, I'm going to do something a little different than we usually do in the sense of how I pray for the message. So don't be shocked. Just kind of go with me and trust that I might be scriptural what I'm about to do, okay? So, Father, we just stand before your throne right now, and we bless your name. And as the church, we actually come together right now, and I bind the power of Satan and every demonic spirit that's trying to bring oppression over the body of Christ in these people's lives right now. We command you to loose them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come in power right now, and anywhere where we have been oppressed, Push down, that is not from your hand. I ask that the blessing of freedom would come upon our lives, our money, our resources, our soul, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Holy Spirit, anoint the word this evening. Let it go forth and accomplish what you have purposed in your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Turn with me to James chapter 2, please. James chapter 2. Now, when we get together and I'm getting ready to come out here and Paul is sending me texts, hey, what are you going to teach on and stuff like that? I'm always trying to get before the Lord and say, now, really, speak your word to me. What's on your heart? And the Lord just kind of dropped this into me. And the study of it, I've actually studied the mercy of God, but this is actually an interesting statement here. And before I get into the text, we're in, in James chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 12 and 13, and our focus is going to be verse 13 specifically. I need to just stop for a moment and have a conversation with you because of what Paula addressed. Here's what happens. The body of Christ is doing so much right now, but because the body of Christ is not very good about talking about it or telling you what's going on in regions, we think, well, God's doing a couple things. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was in um, Rochester, Minnesota, and I was doing a Sunday morning service, and the, these pastors that I've known, I've known them for like 20 years, they're like, well, we're having a regional conference. I also go to this. It's a, um, a Bethel conference, and they have like ministers from like eight different states, and we all meet up in Rochester, and we have to minister to each other and fellowship and all this stuff. And... Um, I wasn't the speaker this time, but the guy that was the speaker got COVID. So they turned to me. I always like that. I'm always the guy that fills in for COVID ministers. And so they're like, well, would you come and teach? So I've been sharing with you guys my own walk with the Lord, where the Lord has been talking to me specifically, what does it mean for him to be a king? And when I went up into that conference, I'm just talking with different ministers. And you guys, just, you just need to hear this. I was with pastors and evangelists and church planners and all this kind of stuff from eight different states, and every one of them was saying that their churches are having an increase of people that are coming to the Lord right now. Every one of them. Now, what happens is, is we think, well, you know, I don't know what's hardly going on. We've been being told for almost 20 years now that God's going to do this unbelievable move of God. And we've talked about this before. And we look at it as Americans and we think, well, that's going to look like us all kind of suntanning. And then we show up in a city and Jesus is just going to save everybody. But that's not if 
think about it. Every time God moves, he has to shake everything to draw people into his kingdom. Now, usually it's just in a region or it's in a city. So we're actually in a unique time in history. It's actually the whole entire world is being shaken right now. So what cannot be shaken will come to the surface. Also, think about this with me. In the time of the nation of Israel, when God was actually dealing with evil in nations, he actually released plagues and did, uh, dealt with evil and still protected his people during that time. That's just not a picture of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. That's a biblical principle that you need to understand. When God is judging nations, he is protecting his people in the midst of it. You're always protected by the Lord. Judgment is not for the people of God. Judgment is for people that will not re, uh, return, turn away from their sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and honor him as king. Once you understand that, that makes sense. So I was getting ready for this and I thought, well, okay, so I need to cover judgment. There's so many, there's so many ways that you can work through judgment. It can be kind of hard to work through it, so I'm just going to kind of lay it out to you. There's judgment that um, is for non-believers. And let's just define terms now. What does it mean, judgment? Depends on where it's used in Scripture. But the term means God makes decisions. The word judgment means making decisions. So, like, let me give you an example of this. In the New Testament, Jesus says to not judge, right? By the measure you judge someone, it'll be measured to you. And all of us say, okay, so that means we never make a judgment. And then people don't look at the fine print of what Jesus said. He's talking about a type of judging. Because Paul later on tells the church, you need to judge things. You need to judge sin in the midst of you. You need to deal with rebellion. You're called to this because in the future, you're going to judge angels. So is Paul in conflict with Jesus is saying? No. God has called us. And this is the fun thing that we have to learn as believers. Our identity is we are the highest standard of government that is on this planet, the churches. So we have to find the heart of God and make decisions on ruling and reigning for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just part of our inheritance. Now, because everyone hears the word of judgment and they only go to the negative connotation that's in both the Old and New Testament, usually the, judge, the last day or the day of judgment, and that's all they think it is, they don't understand there's this whole positive side to the concept of the judge, judging and the judgment of God. By the way, when God makes a decision in your life, he's making a judgment, good and bad. So this idea that this is a bad concept, it isn't. Now, there is a negative side of judgment. God is the king and the judge, and everyone will give an account of their life before him. Here in James, we are now coming into this concept. God will judge people for how they live their life. So look at the passage with me. And he's going to now take the word judgment, and he's going to put mercy in it. And let's look at it. It says this. He, the, the beginning of the chapter is dealing with how people judge people when they come to the body of Christ. So are you going to honor someone and act like the Lord Jesus Christ because they're wealthy and give them a place of preference and a person who has none of those distinguishing things of the earth? Are you going to treat them differently? You've made a judgment that is not in line with the Lord. You're to treat everyone the same because of one thing. 
They're made in the very image of God, and because of that, they receive honor. And so James, he is now writing to the body of Christ, and he's trying to deal with them on, look, start coming into how this actually works as a believer. And as he's moving through the passage, he's now trying to explain, and this is always fun, he's trying to explain to believers and to us, the people that are reading this, that if you break one of the laws, you've broken the law. I, I always laugh at this because what happens is, depending on different times in human history, cultures focus on certain sin and excuse all other sins. So I like doing this just to have fun in the body of Christ. No one likes it when I do this. But in our culture, because of the, the extreme sexual perversion, we focus on that. And yet the Bible would say, did you guys realize that gluttony is a sin? And, and gossip is a sin and all this other stuff. But we focus on one and say, well, that's, that's really evil and this stuff is okay if we do this. Jesus just kind of winks at that kind of stuff. This is the interesting thing about God. All of this is stuff that he says you are not to participate in this. And you can't say, well, there's lesser or greater or any of those kind of things. They all bring the same effect. And it's trying to deal with believers about that. You guys have to understand how this works. So don't say, well, I, and he's saying it right here in the passage, don't say, well, I didn't commit uh, adultery, but I did murder, or I didn't murder, but I committed adultery. He says, on God's level, all of this is breaking the law. You, you can't, you guys get it? We can't have clubs where certain things are okay, and then the rest of us beat up on everybody on another subject. God is trying to show us, I have a certain way you have to learn to walk with me in this. Okay, so let's keep moving on, and now let's get to verse 12. So speak and so act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. So do you see how he's now taking the idea of judgment, and he's saying it's the law of freedom you're going to be now as believers judged by. What is he saying? He's saying that now believers have been the, God has made a judgment over your life, and now God is evaluating you on basically the law of freedom, or what we would say, the law of grace. Instead of you reaping what you've sown, God actually wants to show you how to live by him and not bring judgment on your life by letting you be judged by a law of grace. And he's trying to now work this through believers. Now, why is this important? Because as you and I are growing up as believers, think about this with me. We, we meet a loving Lord, and then all of a sudden, as we start reading his word and discovering who he is, we start seeing sin, law, grace, and all this, and it gets confusing to us. And so what happens is a certain group of people say, well, I love God more than other people, so I'm going to be really intense on trying to obey the law. And what happens is, is they become, they go to two extremes. They become um, legalist, or they become um, basically um, guilt-ridden. And the Bible is trying to come in the midst of that and say, look, God wants to set you free from that. The reason Christ died on the cross is so that that wouldn't be on you anymore, and you would actually learn to live by the law of freedom or the law of grace. So it isn't that God says, I'm not going to judge people on sin. He says, 
how are you supposed to look at it after you know me? He's still serious about it. He still believes it's something that people uh, uh, are going to be held accountable for. But he's trying to communicate something of what is his nature like when he's relating to people. And so let's look at the passage some more. Verse 13, for judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. And then it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So now it's bringing you and I to a point, and it's saying, when God, think about this, there are types of judgments, and now it's bringing us to the nature of God, and it's beginning to ask you a question. When God judges, what is, God, how, what is God's nature, or what does he perceive when he's judging people? People would say, well, it seems like it's the anger of God or, or God's trying to pay back or any of that kind of stuff. And it's actually saying that it's out of the mercy of God that God does these, he makes these decisions. This is where we would back up and we would come into 1 John and begin to have this conversation about what is the nature of God like? God is love. So anything he does has to emanate out of that. If God is going to make a decision over your life, it's because he's being merciful, not just saying you're going to reap what you sow. In fact, if we were going to reap what we've sown, none of us would receive salvation or have come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's come into the passage and let's really look at it. So he says, for judgment will be merciless to those who show no mercy. The word mercy here is interesting because it can be translated mercy or kindness. And there's this thing about the mercy of God or the kindness of God that there's this theme that goes through Scripture. We find out that it's the, the kindness of the Lord that does what? Leads people to repentance. It's the kindness of the Lord that turns the heart. It's the kindness or the mercy of God that you aren't left broken, weary, or destroyed in your life. It is the kindness and the mercy of God that overcomes all this. Well, now in this passage, look with me. He's telling you, look, if you're going to come into this judgment place and you think you're representing the nature of God, you're missing it. When you are showing no kindness, when you have to extend a judgment in a situation and you're not showing mercy, that is not the nature of the Lord. And it's, and it's kind of telling you there's a rebound effect from this. If you're going to be like this, it's going to come upon you. Isn't this fun to hear? Now let's look at the passage. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So the focus of our look at this now is this word, mercy triumphs over judgment. The word triumph here. As I've been sharing with you guys, I'm studying Jesus being a king. What does it mean when he says we're overcomers? Or what does it mean that he wants victory in our life? Or what does it mean that he actually wants to be the Lord that helps us win every battle? So that's really important to what we're looking at in the passage. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, this, this word in the Greek New Testament is fascinating. It actually means the louder voice. So it could be translated this way. Mercy has a louder voice than judgment. <laughs> Thank you. So think about this with me. God could come in and look at every one of our lives and start evaluating us, and yet the higher call is mercy. He's trying to get people to break free 
to run to the mercy of God. Do you guys get it? God could come and judge a nation, or he could show mercy to a nation. This happened in the Old Testament. Do you guys remember? Now think about this. The God doing this with a man, he comes to Moses, and they've set up an idol after he's taken them out of the promised land, and they're worshiping an idol. Can you imagine? He spent all this time trying to destroy the idols in their life, and the next thing they do is go build an idol. And so God is just burning angry at him, and this is amazing that God displayed that, and Moses knew enough about God's nature that God put Moses in a position to see if he actually understood it by saying, I'm going to destroy these people and start a new race with you. Do you guys remember the story? And Moses, what did Moses do? He stood before the Lord and he said, but you're not like that. <laughs> now, how many of you would respond that way? When you see evil, don't you say, destroy him, God. Let's start over. And yet here Moses is actually saying, he's, he's, by being in the tabernacle, being in the presence of the Lord day after day, he started getting to understand the nature of God, not just the voice of the Lord. And because he started to experience the very presence of the Lord, he started, started seeing a pattern and a realization of what God is like. He actually wants to show mercy more than he wants to come and bring a destructive judgment. Now, Think about the day and age we live, and then I'm going to give some examples of this. We keep, I hear this conversation, look at all the evil that's going on in the nations right now. God is going to make a decision on the nations. Do you guys realize that? So who's standing before him now saying, you're going to make a judgment? <laughs> uh, as a younger man, I kept having these interesting experiences, and one time... This Lord, the Lord gives me this encounter where he was showing me, how do I describe this? I have this encounter where this angel and this demon are fighting over an unborn child, whether it's going to be aborted or not. Uh, this is a vision, and I'm actually standing in a hospital room, and this angel pulls this curtain back, and as he pulls it back, he's showing me a map of the United States, and I hear this statement from the Lord. Because of this, I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, I saw God saying, because you guys can't stop slaughtering your children, I'm going to release my judgment on this nation. And all of a sudden, I saw, now, if you guys understand the judgment of God against nations, he sends armies, he destroys uh, crops, he makes sure that their finances get decimated, right? And he's showing me all that. And then... I fall into this vision, it's hard to describe all this stuff, and I see missiles flying across Kansas heading for California. And I'm watching all this, and it's just terrorizing me. Now, I don't know how you guys would respond if you saw that. <laughs> now, guys, I'm a young man. I don't understand the ways of God. I didn't realize he was actually bringing me into something to get me to cry out for mercy. Because he didn't say I was going to do it. He wanted to see how I was going to respond to it. Once I started realizing it, God brought me into this conversation and he said, I showed you all this because if you don't cry out for mercy, my hand has to move against this. I'll listen to you. And he says, I can make a judgment over the United States. I can come and deal with the slaughter of the children or I can send revival. I want you to tell me what you want. <laughs> do you guys get it? 
the, the mercy is a louder voice. Do you guys really want the, I mean, a lot of us say, yeah, in my weaker moments, I really would like the judgment of God. <laughs> right, the negative effect of it. But really, God can come. There's no one on this planet that God cannot redeem and bring to himself. I'd rather him make a judgment towards that than us dealing with the consequences of the constant sin that our nation and nations have been doing before him. I'd rather God do a revival of mercy instead of the consequences of our rebellion. And I believe we're in a time right now in American history, you guys ready for this? That God is looking over the church and saying, all right, now, what do you want me to do in response to what's going on? You've got, isn't this funny? I have to have this kind of conversation with us. We are the ones that in this time in history are deciding, God is looking at us and saying, what do you want me to do in your nations in response to this stuff? He's looking to the church to tell him. And the, what are we doing? God is trying to grip us with do you understand my nature when things are unbearable? Do you understand how I want you to respond? Do you hear the higher call that's going through the land right now? Do you guys get it? We've been having a false call going out, and all of us have been saturated by it. We've been talking about it over the last year. There has been a false word that has been going through America and through the rest of the world. It's time to be afraid. That is a false word. It is, and we're missing it. God is moving powerfully right now in the nations, and he's looking at the church, and he's saying, would you guys get in alignment with me and start crying out for me to show mercy? Do you guys hear it? A couple of weeks ago, uh, I told you I was in Rochester, and I'm, I, I, this guy I knew uh, in my 30s when I was going up there and doing ministry, he had gone off and started doing some other stuff, and he comes to the service. I hadn't seen him in a decade. And we're just visiting with each other. I go up on stage and I'm just kind of doing my thing. And the, in the middle of the message, the Lord just stops me and says, I want you to call him out. And so I have him stand up. All of a sudden, the mercy of God just fills my heart. And I didn't know any of this stuff that had been going on with him. Um, he had developed a company, and God comes in his mercy and says, I'm going to come and actually bless your company. And he's telling me this young man has been like David. I put him in the cave of Adullam. Do you guys remember that? Do you know what that is? That's where God has you with a leadership gift, and instead of putting you on stage so everyone can marvel at it, he throws you in a cave with the most depressed people, and you have to learn how to raise them up. And I'm sitting there sharing this with him, and I, the, I, the Lord has me call his wife up, and she had just gone through this thing where she had almost died from some physical thing, and the power of God comes on her and just starts telling her how much, and God tells me to tell her this thing, God spared your life because he's going to raise you up in a healing man. Do you guys hear it? This, this whole entire message of mercy's coming, and then he's telling me about a son that I don't even know they had, and, and he's going to be a worship leader, and they're both, and all, I mean, it's just this beautiful time of hearing a voice of mercy. This is what God is trying to come into our hearts right now and work on us about. You guys, I see the same thing you're seeing. It almost looks depressing sometimes to live in our culture. We're all sick of the nonsense. But do you get tired of hearing this? It's actually true. You're the solution to the nonsense. 
It's how your nature is going to respond to this that's going to change it, not everyone else's response. And God is trying to get you to hear the right voice now. What is the right voice? Can we just share something one to another with each other for a moment? As I'm traveling around the body of Christ, I'm always having to work on breaking the power of fear and that kind of stuff. But I'm seeing something of the nature of the Lord. I can't remember a time in meetings that I've been in where more of the power of God has shown up just constantly. I'm watching God come and heal people of stuff that they've been like struggling with for long periods of time and getting, he's trying to give us a statement. My mercy is right now. Catch it. Don't listen to all this false stuff. Listen, there's a, tr a trumpet right now blowing. Mercy is coming. <laughs> Do you guys hear it? From me to you, and we'll, we'll finish up with this. At a certain season of my life, the Lord started this conversation with me about healing and where I was at in the journey with him. And then he, he kind of told me, you have to go study some more. So I always like when the Lord does that because I don't know if you guys are like him. I always assume I know everything about a topic. Like, well, I already know this. And at that point, I had already been praying for people and seen them healed of a lot of different things. I think I'd been doing it for more than 15 years. So I'm like, well, really, why do I have to go study this some more? And this season of my life, the Lord started having a conversation with me about studying the history of healing in the United States. And most people believe the healing ministry of the Lord either came at the Azusa Street Revival or the Charismatic Movement. It actually started in the 18, uh, 1863 by a woman named Phoebe Palmer, at least here in the United States. And there's been this unbelievable um, release of the healing miraculous power over the last 150 years in the United States specifically that if you study the history of it, you'd just be overwhelmed on how gracious God has been to us. And there are key people in that history that they have some nuggets that if you look at it, it'll just, you'll be like, wow, I'm glad I, I. and so the other night, the Lord has me take a passage of Jesus's transfiguration and Talk to the Lord about it. Meditate on it. Think about it for a while. Now, you guys know the story. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and they go up to the mountain. And Jesus goes up there, and those guys, I guess, are sleeping. It's amazing how many times a spiritual encounter happens, and those guys are sleeping, and they have to wake up to it. But that's, that was what was going on. And here you have Jesus now on a mountain. The, the presence of the glory of God so fills him that his continent changes and what emanates out of him is the glory of God and it's so bright that it changes the color of his clothes and his face and everything and Moses and Elijah are standing there telling him he's about to go die on the cross and you guys know the story Peter wakes the other two up and they're just kind of looking at it and Peter's mumbling let's build a church here one for Moses one for Jesus and one for Elijah Remember, let's build a tabernacle for, I mean, what is he saying? I mean, just Peter. <laughs> and you guys, it says a cloud envelops him. And a voice comes out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, who I'm, uh, who I'm well pleased. Listen to him, right? All right. So I'm meditating on that. I'm reading the Greek New Testament. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. And he gets my attention about something. A couple concepts. Jesus is going to go face the hardest season of his life. And I don't know if you see that, but there's a progression, and most people miss it. 
as things get tougher, the grace increases more. And so there's more of a manifestation of the power and the presence and the embrace of the Father as he's getting closer to dying on the cross. And when he's on that mountain, he's being strengthened by his Father's presence and his embrace. And could you guys imagine having Moses and Elijah having a conversation with you about what you're going to be doing next week? What's that? Yeah, that conversation. And when it says a cloud enveloped them, most people are like, well, that's a, but it's interesting. That word for cloud is the same one that's used in the Old Testament for the cloud that was with the children of Israel. And it's also used in Psalms 91. It's the same Greek equivalent to the word of uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So it's, it's that shadow that led him in the wilderness. It's the shadow that's referred to in Psalms 91. It's the shadow that fell on people when Peter walked by and they got healed. This is now enveloping Jesus and all those men while they're standing there. And what's so unique about that shadow is that word that's used in the Greek is that it means the immutable presence of God was there. So what does that mean? Is that a great technical word? It means whatever is needed from God to change something in that situation, the power of God is released in that situation to accomplish that. So get this. This shadow actually envelops the disciples. It says a cloud, and then it says a shadow fell on them. Do you guys realize that when that shadow fell on them, a voice came out of the shadow and says, this is my beloved son, and when it said, listen to him, it's not saying, do you guys get it? He's not saying you already were listening to him, but right now you really need to listen to him. It's a unique Greek word for listen. Ready? It means listen because a word of imparting faith is now going to be released to you. Well, what does that have to do with what we're talking about now, Brian? We're being set up for the shadow of the Lord to come over the body of Christ, so a word is going to be spoken to each one of you individually by the Lord to embreathe faith in you again so you can clearly see what we're in the midst of. Are you guys ready to receive it? Turn your hearts with me to the Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, but we ask that you would come right now and increase your presence and your power over us. Come, Lord. Now, Lord, inside our own soul where there is weariness, there's anger, there's confusion, all the things that keep us from hearing that word, that word of mercy, that word of inbreathed faith, I ask that that would just be healed and decimated so that we can hear. Come to us, Lord. And began to release the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and let us hear. Heal our ears so that we can hear what you are saying. Release your power to us, Lord. Release your power. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so... I know you guys know tomorrow is my birthday, and so 
I was planning on just kind of doing the message and doing whatever, but when I come to here, Jesus always changes it, so hey. <laughs> What's your name, sir? I talked to you earlier. Chris, would you stand just for a moment? Can I pray a blessing over you? Do you mind? I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting with me, but can you kind of just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift if you're okay with that? Holy Spirit, come. Bring your power over Chris right now. Chris, there's a grace in your life. I actually saw the Lord bring a shepherd's rod and put it in your hand, and he told me that you have an anointing to shepherd people. And that um, there was actually an attack from the enemy to get you to just kind of chuck it to the wind and say, I'm sick of this. People are hard. I'm tired of all this nonsense. The Lord said he's going to actually heal you past that, bless you, and release you into that in a greater measure because of what he has spoken to you in an earlier stage of your life. He has not abandoned that word or rejected that word. He's not only going to fulfill it in your life, you're going to be amazed at the goodness of God that's going to be released through you. So Holy Spirit, right now, just release your power over Chris in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chris, you're also so supposed to write. You're supposed to uh, even do things where you uh, develop like Bible studies and things like that because the Lord is going to use you to actually reach a lot of people, nurture them, and reveal God as a father to them. You have called. You've been called by the Lord to be the, a father in the body of Christ. He wants you to recognize that call has never left you. Holy Spirit, I don't know if you're dealing with something in your lower back, but the Holy Spirit is coming over your lower back right now. Holy Spirit, release your power over him right now. Restore his legs and his hips and cause your goodness to just bless him. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Chris, are you dealing with some level of like fatigue or something like that? Okay. I'm going to pray for you about just strength. Would that be okay? Holy Spirit, release your strength over him. Strengthen him by the power of your might and let him walk in just a newness of life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Bless you. All right. Um, if you're, there's two things I feel like the Lord wants me to address. If you're feeling literally, how do I describe this, Lord? It's like a heat or a pressure on your head. That's the presence of the Lord, and so if that's you, would you stand? If you feel a heat or a presence, like a pressing down, and you feel it around your neck and your head area, would you stand? The Lord's ministering to you? No one, huh? Also, if you're struggling with headaches, so that was the second part. If you struggle with headaches, would you stand? The Lord, like, ministered to you. So sorry you're dealing with that. Would you extend your hand and receive from the Lord? Holy Spirit, would you bring your power and your presence right now. Okay. No weapon formed against you will prosper. We break the power of this infirmity over your body. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd release your healing presence over her cranium and over her neck right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just, I, I just ask that a cleansing would come, Lord. Bring her back into order. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Restore her in the name of Jesus. Let your goodness just be upon her right now, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Also, I feel like the Lord just wants me to share this with you. You have a leadership gift. It's actually a motivational gift in your life. You have a leadership gift in your life. God's going to actually take you into the secular world, and he's going to give you favor, and you're going to find out that a lot of creativity is going to be released to you because God is planning to put you in the world to have an influence to change people's lives. Are you aware of that? Okay. <laughs> so just kind of let me play, pray for you about that. Holy Spirit, release creativity with this leadership gift in her life. And com- I just command the blessing of the Lord upon her right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's going to open you. If you're not already having it now, the Lord is going to open you up. You're going to start having dreams. And the dreams are going to be strategy and wisdom and creative ideas that don't come from a natural place, but come from the heart of God so that you can innovate and do new things. And I just command that to come forth right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. All right. Um, Father, we just bless you for this time. We just thank you. Let more of your power come in the name of Jesus Christ. More power. Now, Holy Spirit, just like you did with Moses, we ask that your goodness would pass before us right now. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray one more prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to Paula. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would come upon these people's finances and break the power of poverty and oppression. I command the economy of the kingdom to bless them and rest upon them right now. And we as a people of God come out of alignment with the God of Mammon, and we ask that the God of Israel's blessing would come upon our finances right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.